Well, do please keep your Bibles open there if you have a Bible in front of you. Uh, we're looking at those verses from Mark and uh, the passages we're looking at will also come up on the screen for us as we go along as we prepare to look at Mark's Gospel this morning. Let's pray. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. We thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you that in the Bible you teach us about yourself, you teach us about salvation from sin that you have provided, and you teach us how to live as those who have been saved and who follow Jesus as King. Help us to learn and grow this morning, we ask. Help us to understand what we read and to grow as followers of Jesus because of what we read. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. What we want can often be very different to what we need. Uh, one Easter Sunday, some years ago now, we were having a family lunch and I was sitting next to my niece who was six at the time and she was telling me how much food and chocolate she'd eaten that day. It was Cocoa Pops for breakfast, uh, chocolate eggs at home and then at church. She scored more Easter eggs when she got to Grandma and Papa's house. Uh, we'd just eaten lunch with roast beef and roast chicken and veggies and now we were having ice cream and chocolate frog jelly for dessert. Well, sounds a bit indulgent, doesn't it? Uh, and as she was eating her dessert, she was telling, telling me how full she was, that, that she was starting to feel a bit sick from all the food and chocolate. But at the same time, she's pushing this ice cream and jelly into her mouth and uh, she wanted that ice cream. Uh, what she wanted, uh, well, what she needed, sorry, was to stop eating and give her stomach a bit of a break. But she kept eating because she wanted that ice cream, that chocolate, so much. Uh, and of course, it's not just kids <laughs> who uh, like to have what we want over what we need. Uh, adults do it very well as well. Our hospitals are full of people who smoked cigarettes all their lives, doing what they want at the expense of meeting their physical needs. Uh, perhaps a little closer to home for many of us. When was the last time you went to a buffet restaurant? and didn't come home feeling at least a bit too full, if not actually a little sick. <laughs> uh, actually, put up your hand if you've ever done that. No. Um, I'd be putting mine up as well. Um, <laughs> well, how often have you left it longer than you should, say, to visit the dentist, and you get that niggling pain checked out? You, 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 what you want is to never have to go to the dentist, right? but what you need is to get your teeth checked before you need a root canal. Uh, what we want can often be very different to what we need. And that's the dilemma facing many people in our passage in Mark today. Jesus, the King of God's kingdom, has come. He's come to give the people what they need, and people flock to him. But many are only coming because of what they want. Many are only after the things that they want uh, and sometimes even uh, oblivious to or even ignoring their most desperate need. It's clear from the first words of Jesus recorded in Mark's Gospel that what all people need is forgiveness of sin. Uh, Jesus, uh, John sorry, comes first preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and then the one he was preparing the way for, Jesus the Messiah, comes proclaiming the good news of God, calling people to turn from their sin and believe the good news. Uh, have a look at verses 14 and 15 again of chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. 
The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus has come to call sinners to repent. Uh, he knows our greatest need is forgiveness for sin. If we look at the last verse in today's passage, we see Jesus say just that. Uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Uh, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus has come to call sinners to repent. Jesus likens sin to a disease here, just like people need to have physical illnesses uh, seen by a doctor. Well, we'll People who sin have a spiritual disease that needs treating, and Jesus, in that case, is the doctor. Uh, Jesus knows our problem. He knows what we need, and so he's come to preach the good news of salvation, offer forgiveness. But people don't always want the thing that they really need. Uh, and We find through much of our passage today, the people's desire to get what they want from Jesus often gets in the way of him giving people what they really need. After Jesus calls his first four disciples, he starts preaching in the synagogue, Capernaum. And the people are amazed at his preaching. He speaks with authority, uh, not simply quoting others or reciting dry theological arguments, but powerfully proclaiming the good news and doing so with the authority of the one who will bring that good news to fruition. And Jesus shows his authority isn't just because he's a convincing speaker, Jesus also shows uh, his authorities of a spiritual nature. He's confronted by a demon-possessed man, and Jesus casts the demon out with just a few words. Understandably, the people are amazed. Have a read from uh, verse 27 with me, chapter 1, verse 27. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Uh, Jesus brings the authority of heaven, uh, pushing back the realm of darkness. And news about this new teacher spreads. People come uh, from all around to see him, but are they coming to get what they need or to get what they want? Jesus leaves the synagogue, goes to the house of Simon and Andrew, two of his new disciples. He heals Simon's mother-in-law from a fever, and it seems that they have some time to rest together, but by night, the whole town is at his door, uh, wanting their sicknesses healed, their demons cast out. Have a read from verse 32, chapter 1, verse 32. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Notice, uh, as it describes the people coming to Jesus at this point, they're not coming to hear Jesus preach. They're not saying, well, Jesus, you teach with such authority. Preach the good news to us. Uh, they're not coming to get what they really need from Jesus. They're coming to get what they want, uh, bringing the sick and demon-possessed to be healed. And it certainly seems that Jesus is happy to heal the sick and cast out the demons. These are good things to do for people. These are things which demonstrate Jesus' authority. But Jesus' fame, for want of a better word, his status has him being mobbed. It gets so bad that he can't even get a minute by himself. He gets up before sunrise to go somewhere quiet to pray. And even there, his disciples come out and find him, telling him the crowds are looking for him. 
what are you doing here, Jesus? People want to see you. Uh, so Jesus decides that well, they'll leave, they'll go to the next village, and he'll preach the good news there. And here we see Jesus' priority, uh, because that's why he's come after all. Uh, chapter 1, verses 38 and 39, Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled through Gal- throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It's almost like Jesus is trying to keep ahead of his fame. Once he gets too well known in one village and the crowds start coming uh, so often to get what they want, uh, he moves to the next village so that he can keep preaching the gospel. That's why he's come, he says. That's what people really need. Of course, Jesus still has compassion uh, for the sick, uh, straight after he says to the disciples, let's go to the other, uh, the, the other villages so I can preach there too. Well, uh, straight after that, Mark tells us about a man with leprosy who comes to be healed. Uh, have a look at verses 40 and 41. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. The NIV says Jesus was indignant uh, there, which uh, that word might sound a little strange. Uh, Verse 41, the most common translation of the Greek word there is compassion or pity. Uh, In other parts of Mark, we see that. Like when when Jesus sees the crowd in Mark 6 and has compassion on them uh, because they're like sheep without a shepherd and so he teaches them. Uh, Or in Mark Chapter 8, another great crowd that Jesus has compassion on because they've been with him for days and they're hungry. Jesus acts with compassion. He knows people's greatest need, and yet he meets uh, their other needs as well uh, because, well, don't all our needs and troubles in this world reflect our greatest need ultimately? Jesus has compassion on those living in a fallen world and his healing of diseases, casting out of demons. What's a way of showing his authority over all the awful effects of sin in the world? He brings forgiveness of sin and that forgiveness will one day mean no more illness, suffering, crying or pain, no more separation from God. And so Jesus has compassion on this man with leprosy, a disease that made you unclean, that made you, separated you from your community, a disease that restricted your involvement in synagogue or in temple worship. Jesus reaches out and touches the man. Anyone else would simply be made unclean by that contact. <laughs> but Jesus can't be made unclean. The unclean is made clean at Jesus' touch. Have a look there from verse 42, chapter 1, verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Jesus has great compassion for people as uh, they suffer in this fallen world. But at the same time, he didn't come simply to heal every disease or to cast out every demon. 
That's why he tells the man not to go talking about what he's just done for him. Jesus wants the freedom to preach the good news. He wants to give the people what they really need. But, of course, this man, he can't help but tell everybody. And what Jesus knows will happen, happens. And he can't even openly enter the towns anymore. And still the people flock to him. The next story that Mark tells highlights what people really need. Forgiveness is not always what people want, but it's definitely what we need. Uh, Jesus is preaching in a house in Capernaum. And as with everywhere else, he's he's mobbed. There's a great crowd. Uh, It seems this time they are there to hear him preach. The house is so full that no one else can even get through the door. but a paralysed man is, is brought to Jesus by uh, some friends. His, his friends are so desperate to get him in front of Jesus, they dig a hole in the roof. <laughs> we'll lower him through the roof. That's how uh, desperate they are to see their friend healed. Uh, but what Jesus first says to the man, I think, is pretty surprising. Read from verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I would have loved to see the look on the paralyzed man's face. Uh, I don't think his friends went to the trouble of digging a hole in the roof uh, just so the guy could hear Jesus preach. I suspect he didn't come primarily looking for forgiveness. He clearly wants to be healed, like so many others that, that Mark has been telling us about, and he believes Jesus can heal him. So when Jesus first spoke to him, I reckon he would have been thinking, well, my sins are forgiven? What are you talking about? Can't you see I'm paralysed, Jesus? That's why I'm here. But Jesus knows that the man needs something far more than to walk. Uh, Like everyone else, this man's greatest need is forgiveness. His healed legs will last the rest of his this life, but forgiveness lasts for eternity. And the paralysed man uh, isn't the only one surprised at what Jesus says? The teachers of the law are thinking to themselves, okay, <laughs> uh, did we just hear what we thought we heard? Uh, who's this guy think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And of course they're right. <laughs> they think Jesus is blaspheming because they don't know who Jesus is. If they really knew who Jesus was, well, they wouldn't have been offended and... Jesus takes the opportunity to show them who he is, uh, to show them that, yes, I have the authority to forgive sins. Follow along there from verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus makes it quite clear who he is. He makes his authority quite clear Uh, The teachers of the law question his authority to forgive sins. No one but God can do that. And, well, they don't just assume, oh, well, he must be God because he's forgiving sins. No, Uh, what they see before them is is just a man as far as they can see. 
But if Jesus, if what he's just said is true, and if he really can forgive sins, well then Jesus is clearly saying that he is God. Mark has already told us, uh, readers, that Jesus is the Son of God, the long-expected Messiah, the King of God's kingdom. He's here with all the authority of God because he is God. And that's what Jesus is saying when he calls himself the Son of Man. It's a common name Jesus uses for himself in Mark's Gospel. And it's a name that refers back to the Old Testament, uh, Daniel chapter 7. Have a look at Daniel chapter 7, uh, verses 13 and 14 with me. Uh, These verses will come up on the screen as well. Uh, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Uh, Daniel, one of the Israelite exiles in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar, he sees in a vision one like a son of man, a a human being, uh, being led into God's presence. And this man is given everlasting authority. He is the king of God's eternal kingdom. And as God's king, he has the authority to forgive sin. Jesus claims this authority, this position, when he calls himself the son of man. But Jesus knows the people will need a sign of his authority to forgive sins. Uh, Maybe the teachers of the law are thinking, well, yeah, anyone can say your sins are forgiven. That's an easy thing to say. There's no way of proving that forgiveness has actually taken place. On one hand, that, that may be the easier thing to say. On the other hand, if only God can truly forgive sins, well, maybe the easier thing to say is get up, take up your mat and walk. Others have gone around healing. God can heal the sick through people. But only God himself can forgive sins. And to pronounce forgiveness of sin, you actually have to be God. Either way, Jesus has the power and authority to make both statements. Uh, Jesus backs up his words with his actions at this point. He shows his authority to forgive sins by performing a miracle and making the man walk again. If he said, get up and walk, and the man didn't walk, well, they'd have no reason to believe that he could forgive sins either. But Jesus proves his authority by healing the man's paralysis. And in the end, the man has received what he wanted, but also what he most desperately needed. Jesus didn't come simply to heal disease and cast out demons. There's no point going to hell with a healthy body. Jesus is here to bring good news, forgiveness for sin. Unfortunately, many of the people just don't understand this. Many still don't recognise that forgiveness is what they need. To forgive sin, Jesus will need to spend time with sinners. A doctor needs to spend time with sick people if he's going to do his job. And well, Jesus needs to be with sinners if he's going to forgive sins. This is why he came. The Pharisees don't like this, so why should Jesus hang out with with sinners, with with the outcasts, they they think, when when he could be spending time with respectable, righteous folk like them? Uh, In the last few verses, Jesus calls Levi the tax collector, and he goes back to Levi's house. He has dinner with him and his tax collector friends and other, other sinners, other outcasts, and see how the Pharisees react. 
verse 15, chapter 2 from verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then look at Jesus' reply in verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus makes it clear, again, that what is really needed is forgiveness. His purpose in coming is to call sinners to repent and believe. To do that, he needs to spend time with sinners. I think the Pharisees' biggest mistake, it isn't that they don't understand why Jesus is hanging out with sinners. Uh, It's that they don't understand that they're sinners themselves. It's that they don't see their need for forgiveness. All people sin and all people need forgiveness. Uh, The Pharisees are kidding themselves if they think they're they're righteous. They might be law-abiding. But they're not right before God because of that. What they need as much as anyone else is to admit their sin and repent and believe in Jesus to follow the Messiah as king. I think that's what this passage helps us to realise too. Uh, First of all, we need to know that forgiveness is our greatest need. Even as Christians, we need a constant reminder of that. And secondly, we need to to look to Jesus uh, to to meet that need, be grateful for the fulfilment of that need and and not fall into the trap of looking to him to meet all kinds of other uh, wants (laughs) rather than our greatest need. Uh, we can't afford to be like the Pharisees. They thought that, well, they have it all together. They're, they're the righteous ones. And they thought that if, if Jesus was such a great teacher and healer, well, they should, should be hanging out with them. That, that's the right club for Jesus to be in. Their thought is that he shouldn't be defiling himself by hanging out with sinners. If the Pharisees instead recognized they were also sinners in need of forgiveness and well, that Jesus was God's son offering them that forgiveness, they would have spent time with him too and down among the sinners, among the outcasts. And we have to recognise our sin too. We can never think that we're right with God because of our personal goodness. Uh, in our faith and trust in Jesus, as we trust Jesus' forgiveness, we should never think that Because we're forgiven, we're somehow better than non-Christians. We have to remember the fact that Jesus has saved us. That's what makes us right before God. Uh, If we've been saved from sin, it's only because of what Jesus has done. Our personal uh, godliness is important. As Christians, we have to live our lives in imitation of our King and Saviour. But that will mean having compassion on the lost, as he did. Uh, That will mean spreading the good news so that more might be saved as we have been saved. Uh, It means being among the sinners as Jesus was, taking the good news to the lost. Just like Jesus ate with the sinners and outcasts that day, one day those who repent and believe in him will join the heavenly banquet. And we want to be not like the Pharisees, standing back thinking, why would I sit with those awful people? But... We want to be keen to be at that table with Jesus, recognising our own sin and accepting the forgiveness Jesus offers 
and then mixing with people here and now who also still need forgiveness, offering them that same good news. And secondly, we need to continually look to Jesus, uh, be reminded and grateful of the fact that Jesus has met our greatest need and not simply try to use Jesus to to meet our wants. Uh, The crowds flocking to see Jesus wanted to be healed. They wanted all manner of things, and we can understand that. Uh, They had very real physical illnesses, demon possessions. Uh, Of course they want to be healed. We, we, we feel it today with our, our illnesses and our troubles. We, we want relief, we want comfort, we want healing. But Jesus had something even better to, to offer the people. And if they're physically healed but miss out on forgiveness, well, they're not getting what they really need. If we seek Jesus to meet our wants and desires, we're forgetting the fact that his primary task is to meet our greatest need. Primarily, seeking all we want from Jesus, like comfort in our pain or healing from illness, provision of our needs. That's a bit like my young niece (laughs) shoving ice cream in her mouth when she should be just taking a break. Or it's a bit like choosing to avoid the pain of a dentist visit rather than booking the appointment and avoiding those greater troubles down the line. We, We need to embrace the joy of receiving forgiveness from Jesus, the, the thing we really need over anything that we might want. And remember, it's not that Jesus doesn't have compassion for us in our troubles. <laughs> no, that's not the case either. Jesus has compassion and it's understandable, yes, that we do cry out to God for healing, that we, we pray for our uh, sick friends and relatives to, that they get well. We're actually commanded to pray, and we ought to. It's right that when we do mission work, that we we show the love of Jesus by doing good things, like providing clean drinking water and and, and medical services. But if we do all of that or or, or seek those things for ourselves while neglecting the message of the gospel, if we're not praying that our relatives will repent and believe in Jesus, if we're not helping people understand the problem of sin and offering the forgiveness that's found in Jesus, then all the money and health and clean drinking water in the world will be of no lasting use to us or to them. The forgiveness for sin that Jesus offers is the most valuable gift we can receive and it's the most valuable news we can offer to anyone. Uh, And it's the hope of the gospel that gives us comfort and peace in life as well, whether we're happy or sad, wealthy or poor, well or ill, because forgiveness of sin means the joy of eternal life awaits beyond this short and painful life. And surely nothing could be more valuable to us than that. We certainly don't need anything more than we need that. Jesus came to offer forgiveness for sin. That was his purpose, to preach the good news, to call sinners to repent and believe in him. Our greatest need as human beings. And, you know, although we're used to putting our wants over our needs, (laughs) this is a need we must never ignore. Uh, And it's a need that only Jesus can fill. Uh, We know that as Christians. And so let's always remember our great need for forgiveness and let's live uh, with gratitude and joy as people who have been forgiven by Jesus. Let's pray. Please pray with me.
Our Heavenly Father, we praise you because you are a forgiving God. We praise you for the forgiveness for sin that Jesus brought. We praise you that through faith in Jesus, by believing in him, we can receive the forgiveness for sin and we can live with uh, the, the comfort and joy in, uh, the, the knowledge of forgiveness brings. We praise you for your goodness to us, your compassion, your love, your mercy. Help us to always uh, remember our greatest need. Help us to always remember that our greatest need has been met if we've put our faith in Jesus. And help us to live in light of that. Help us to be uh, motivated to uh, share that good news with others, with those who don't yet recognise their great need for forgiveness. Help us to share that good news with love and compassion. Help us to uh, live with, with gratitude and, and contentment, knowing that whatever happens in life, our greatest need has been met. We have forgiveness for sin and the hope of eternal joy. We ask that you help us in these things, Lord. Uh, remind us daily of your goodness to us. Let us live uh, lives of joy and gratitude to you. We pray all of this uh, in Jesus' name, and we pray that you might be glorified. Amen.